Enter the creative world with FjordCast. Explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge and advice from the industry's best. Fjord is proud to present FjordCast with host Tim Barsness. Thanks for joining us on FjordCast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjord. And today in our show, we will be talking with Simon Thompson about his B2B lead generation agency, Growth Assembly. Welcome to the show, Simon. Hey, Tim. Thank you very much for having me. Glad you can make it. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Growth Assembly? Certainly. So Growth Assembly is a B2B lead generation agency, um, which sort of came about as a result of uh, working in our other agency, Content Kite, um, which I can, I can get into the details of, of how that came to be. But um, they are more or less related. Content Kite is, is more of a, a content marketing agency and an inbound play, uh, whereas Growth Assembly focuses more on cold outreach and um, outbound lead generation. Okay, so um, tell us a little bit about Simon. How did you come to found Growth Assembly? Certainly. So, like I said, our, our first agency was a, or still is, an agency called Content Kite, uh, and that's a, a content marketing agency. So we focus on creating blog content for um, mainly B two B brands, uh, you know, technical agencies, app development companies, web development companies. Um, uh, custom software development companies and that agency was running for a, about uh, a year to 18 months um, before we started having some conversations with a couple of our clients um, and the you know the ones we had good relationships with would ask us you know how, how are we going about getting our clients and we would just talk shop that way and it, it became apparent I mean for context we were getting clients through in the beginning anyway, cold outreach methods. So, you know, sending cold out, uh, cold emails, using LinkedIn, that kind of thing. Um, and this sort of piqued a lot of curiosity of, of some of our clients. And they said, well, you know, w would you be interested in helping us with that, if, you know, for, for a dollar figure? We said, sure, we can, we can run through and, and have a look at your systems and, and see what you're doing with the copywriting, et cetera, et cetera. And to cut a long story short, we ended up doing that four clients who were agencies and consultants mainly. Um, and then rather than bringing that offering into Content Kite's uh, offering, we were, it, it just became apparent that it would make a lot more sense to separate that as a, a separate brand and create our own outbound lead generation agency. Uh, and that's how Growth Assembly came to be. So it started off working with agencies um, and it's now sort of expanded into the greater b2b space makes sense so let's talk a little bit about simon um what what in your background led you to found two content uh content agencies content companies yeah sure so uh, as you may have gleaned i am australian i uh was living in australia as of about uh, three years ago I was in the corporate world. I was working for a company called MI9, uh, which is a joint venture between Microsoft and one of the major TV broadcast networks in Australia called Channel 9. Uh, and in that role, I was, I was working a lot on, on content strategies. Um, so for really major brands like you know, L'Oreal, Nissan, BMW, Adidas, Nike, uh, you know, and really major content projects. So it was a, a really good place to be 
loved working there, learned a ton about content and, and strategy and, and that kind of thing in general. Um, but one day just decided, well, got the entrepreneurial bug basically and um, you know, decided to move to the States, had no referrals or professional network of any kind. Um, so really just sort of got started from the ground up because you know, it was just something I wanted to do, start my own business. I also wanted to um, move to the United States and, and, and try my hand there. And uh, to cut a very long story short, we, we went through our fair share of struggles and growing pains, but um, here we are. So you moved to the United States and started a company at the same time? Correct. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I, I did that with a, a very naive view of just of how simple that might be to do. Um, I just thought I was smarter than everyone else who, who said that starting a company is really hard and, and figured, no, nah, no, nah, they just haven't thought about this, that and the other. Uh, I'll be able to do this piece of cake. And that certainly turned out to not be the case in, in any sense of the word. So, um, you know, I, it's been a learning experience. Um, we are out of the woods now, but um, you know, as I'm sure any business owner knows, it's, it's not so simple, especially when you move to a new country. What, what did you learn in the first six months uh, of founding Content Kite? Um, what, what were the things that you wish you would have known before you uh, came over here? Yeah, great question. I, in terms of our offering, um, not a great deal. I mean, the, we centered the offering basically around what I did already know. Um, the main thing was how to get clients because, I mean, working in the corporate world when you have you know, like pre-established relationships with um, you know, the agencies that are working with these brands, you don't have to do any of that stuff. There are, right, the relationships are pre-established. You just sort of plug in and, and, and put great ideas in front of them. Um, that's not the case when you start your own business, especially when you have no professional network or, you know, referrals or anything like that. Um, so I, yeah, I, I was just really naive about how simple the process of getting clients would be. And, you know, in a roundabout way, this sort of loops back into how growth assembly came to be because, um, you know, we, we tried everything to get new clients. Um, and, you know, I found that, a lot of it just just does not work, or or not the way we were doing it anyway. Uh, but you know, we eventually nailed it down to these you know three or four things that were consistently working to get clients, and and that was by far the biggest learning curve for us. Yeah. So it sounds like the um, the the first six months or year was, could was a little humbling. Um, I'm curious, what helped you get over the hump and and um, helped you? become successful in, um, in your new venture? Yeah, so it, it was essentially dialing in this system for cold outreach. Um, I mean, you know, when you don't have any referrals or a professional network to, to get started, um, you don't have conversations, you can just start with people you already know, you kind of have to start cold. Um, and we, we didn't, uh, you know, have the, the resources or the, the expertise to go down the, the paid route, so the paid acquisition route. So um, it was really about just getting these systems dialed in for cold outreach, which, you know, if, if you've done any form of cold outreach, that uh, entails um, uh, expertise around targeting, so who you want to go and find and, and reach out to. And then there's also a copywriting component 
Um, but I think most importantly, it was just the systemization of the entire process. So, um, I mean, it's one thing to start reaching out to people in, you know, on whatever medium you do it, whether it be email, LinkedIn, or the phone. Um, but getting that process in place and just making it a repeatable thing that, you know, happens whether you like it or not, um, was really, really important for us because, you know, in, in some sense, there is always going to be a numbers game component to it. Um, so it is something that you need to do repeatab- re- repeatedly, uh, repeatedly and, uh, you know, I, I think that was probably the number one thing for us, just getting a system in place to to make sure these things were happening. Yep, um, absolutely. I've heard you. I've heard you say um, we a few times. Did you have a co-founder? Not in the very beginning, but uh, very soon after the beginning. So, um, yeah, I currently have a, a business partner, Monica. Okay, um, she's great. But uh, in in terms of our roles, Monica's involved with uh, essentially the the creative side of the business, and and I handle uh, business development and and strategy that kind of thing. Got it. Very cool. Um, yeah. Let's go back to when you were in Australia. Um, how did you end up in in a content role to begin with? Were you a journalism major? Were you a marketing major? No, I actually i I came into that role. Uh, so I, I mean, my first job out of college was working for a print publication, um, which isn't the most exciting uh, form of media. Um, it was it was a print publication for construction and architecture companies. Um, so not particularly exciting. Not really wanted what I wanted to do. But I sort of I saw this kind of new way of doing things rather than just running ad advertisements or just running editorial there was sort of this um you know i I did learn about content marketing there where you could you know put valuable content in in front of the right audience and and bring an audience in that way and you know while i wasn't at the particular company that i wanted to do that with i i did like the idea and um, there are a few roles in between that role and my role at MI9, but um, they all sort of revolved around this this idea of of putting valuable content in in front of the audience that you want to attract, and then you know by giving value that way, then then the idea is that those people will eventually go on to buy. So I, ju- I just like the idea of of content marketing and and you know that form of marketing um, as opposed to the more uh, here's an advertisement, buy it or not, that kind of thing. Got it. Makes sense. Um, so let's get into uh, how Growth Assembly does uh, B2B lead generation so effectively. Um, I'm curious, mm-hmm. what does your process look like? Sure. So so we drill our offering down into three main areas. And like I said, that was based on us trying just about everything in terms of B2B lead generation. And so what we've got it down to now is three areas. One is cold email outreach. The second is LinkedIn outreach. And the third is this concept of of borrowing an audience, which um, ironically is is kind of what I'm doing now. So the idea is um, that you put yourself in front of someone else's audience as opposed to building up your own audience. Um, And the idea being that the, the more value you give to that audience uh, makes you a, a more appealing person to work with. So, um, 
to, I mean, we can go into each one of these individually, but those are the three we use and we've sort of, um, we, I guess our secret sauce is, is more creating processes around these, um, these tactics and, and setting them up so that, you know, some, one of our clients can, um, you know, we can consult with them and then they can run it themselves. Got it. Do you um, do you always use all three of these approaches, or um, does it kind of mix and match based on who the client is? Yeah, not not always. Um, quite often, we will only do LinkedIn outreach or only cold email outreach. Um, it's sort of it depends on the client we're working with and, and who their audience is. Can you compare um, the effectiveness of LinkedIn versus that of cold email? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, it's just in the current moment in 2017, 2018, it's significantly more effective in terms of um, open rates and reply rates. It's just uh, people are more inclined to open those messages than they are emails. So I think cold email has just become a very crowded channel. It does still work, um, although the bar has been raised as, as to what you need to do there. But um, LinkedIn is definitely more effective at, at, at getting leads, um, you know, with all other variables being the same. What's a typical reach out to conversion rate that you'll see with LinkedIn? Conversion rate to close business or to lead? Even, even to, um, let's say the next step is to get a meeting. Um, yep. What percentage of people will respond and say, yes, I'd like to meet? So from about, from 100 outreaches, so 100 connections, you know, and we can go into what's involved in that, in that connection message, but to give you the short version, it's a very soft connection message. It's not a, Hey, this is what we do by my staff. Um, but from 100 of those, you should have about 30 accept the connection. And out of those, you should have about 10 writing back and saying, please tell me more that that's a, a generally you know good response rate so um 10 leads potentially getting to the phone from 100 outreaches and notably much higher than pretty much any other channel right definitely certainly more than than cold email um yeah i i think just the the notion of that that notification staring you in the face on linkedin with that that red dot um is just you know uh, influence people to to open that sure. message tell me more about borrowing an audience yeah sure so uh, like i said one particular way to do that is is via a, a podcast uh but another way of doing that might be public speaking or a co-webinar but the general idea is rather than build your own audience over six to 12 months and, and create a lot of content and build up an email list of thousands and then you can go and market to them um, the idea is that you find someone else with a similar audience uh, that you would like to get in front of and they've sort of already done a lot of that legwork for you and you just put the valuable content in front of them. And now if you're thinking, well, that's, that sounds a, a little sneaky or, or whatever, you know, like they're doing all the work and you're just getting in front of them. It really only works as a lead generation channel if you are putting so much value in front of that audience, it's a joke. And, and most of our clients that we work with will hesitate with the channel because they'll say things like, we can't give away that much 
free information. That's like that's like our secret source. Um, so that's sort of always a battle that we end up having. Um, but it really only works when you when you give away as much value as possible. Um, and yes, some people will take that information and run with it and, and implement it themselves. But uh, the the types of customers that you want to work with would, as in you know, customers with money as, as a starter, um, would much rather just outsource it to someone that they know can do it. Um, the idea being that if you teach someone how to do it, uh, then you position yourself as, as a person who knows how to do it. Sure, absolutely. Um, I'm curious, uh, in your LinkedIn outreach, what does the content typically look like? Sure. So as the outreach message would be, we usually start with a, a very soft connection message. So not selling anything at all. Um, so it might be like, hey, I, I noticed you do this, we do this. I th thought it would make sense to connect. Um, sometimes we might put a PS. Uh, by the way, if, if you're interested in um, achieving XYZ result, um, let's see if we might be a right fit. But often we won't even put that. So the idea is just to, to get connected and, and get a conversation going. Um, there'll always be something in there that in some way piques the interest of the person on the other end. Um, so the idea is, and this is really important, and, and where it probably differs a bit from cold email is j just to start a conversation. Um, because I, I think LinkedIn just has a far lower tolerance for um, spam for want of a better word um, and it, it is more about relationships and starting conversations and, and just starting much slower um, obviously the profile the LinkedIn profile has a lot to do with it uh, because people are always going to look back at that before they engage with you um, so that is another big piece of it um, but to answer your question start a conversation so um, do I, I it's interesting that you mentioned the profile I think that makes sense but might not be immediately obvious um, Mm -hmm. I'm. I guess I'm curious. Um, are are have you seen um, LinkedIn in be more successful um, with specific industries, or is it kind of across the board? Yeah, I mean, so for things like IT marketing and advertising, in general, bigger industries tend to do better, and I, I think that. It's just because those industries, uh, you know, because they're bigger, as in bigger on LinkedIn, it means that the audience is more active on LinkedIn. So uh, it's generally more of a, you know, a, a white collar job play. So it, it may not work if you want to reach out to, uh, you know, trades, jobs, construction industry, that kind of thing. Um, but it's more for, you know, like, uh, the IT sector or the the marketing sector or, or, or that kind of sure. thing. Sure, makes, makes sense. sense. You mentioned that LinkedIn is uh, you know fairly sensitive to spam, and I think that makes sense. Um, I'm curious, mm -hmm. uh, do you have to be careful with the volume of messages you're sending? You do. So I, I, most of the information out there will say uh, don't send any more than 200 connection messages uh, a day. Um, we start with around 100 and, and a large part of that is, I mean, yes, to avoid the, uh, you know, the spam police on, on LinkedIn, but also 
if you're starting 10 sales conversations a day, like that's a lot to keep up with. Um, So, you know, we we generally say it's very important to be quite astute when when responding to leads. So if if someone comes back to you and says, hey, tell me more, it's you're not doing yourself any favors if you're waiting a week to get back to that person. Um, I mean, there is a lot of research and data out there to show that if you get back to a lead within five minutes, your, your chance of, of converting them into closed business is, is something like 10x. Um, so, yeah, we, we generally don't send any more than 100. Sure. When you're reaching out on LinkedIn, are you doing it as uh, the person you're working on behalf of? Yep. So in the start of an engagement with a client, we'll run it for them um, just to sort of give them an idea of, of what the process looks like. Uh, but then eventually it moves into more of a, a consultation where they can um, handle it themselves or if they want to, they can outsource it to uh, someone else who, who can run those Got campaigns. it. So long term, your goal is not to, to manage their LinkedIn profile. Okay. Correct. Yeah, for for a number of reasons, uh, many of which you can you can probably guess why. I mean, there, there are, you know, there's a privacy component to that as well. But um, yeah, long term, we don't want to have too much control over that person's sure. profile. Um, so let's dive into a couple uh, news stories here. Our first news story today um, is from the Growth Assembly blog titled B2B Lead Generation, the Ultimate Guide for Agencies, Consultants, and Freelancers. Uh, Simon, can you tell us a little bit about um, about your article? Sure. So uh, this is a very, very long form article. Uh, it's about 11,000 words. Uh, we wrote it as sort of our uh, pillar piece when we started. And I mean, if you, if you check out that article, it essentially goes through everything that we do. And, and this goes back into that concept of, of content marketing, whereas, you know, the more value you put in front of someone, um, the more likely they are to see you as an expert and et cetera, et cetera. So we wrote that very much with the intention of holding nothing back. Um, so if, if you were to read that entire article, you would have our entire process from start to finish and there's no reason that that someone couldn't read that and and go and implement that from start to finish but it covers those three things that i went into before um cold email outreach uh linkedin outreach and uh, the concept of borrowing an audience and and goes through exactly how to do that is is there uh one if there were one takeaway that you'd want people to take from your um from your posts what would it be Probably if, if you were just getting started with outbound lead generation, start with LinkedIn uh, would be the main one and, and then utilize that, uh, the instructions that we've got on there to, to get started. And uh, I think we mentioned this in the blog post, but you can, if you implement the tactics in that guide today, you can have a lead in your inbox today. Um, so it's not something you, you have to build up over. Totally. Um, our second article from entrepreneur.com titled three reasons local lead gener- online lead generation beats offline lead generation every time. Um, can you ex- explain to us why online beats offline? Sure. Well, I, I mean, I can't speak too much to offline lead generation just because we, we don't really specialize in it. Um, but I, I mean, you have the power of scale and, and everyone's on the internet. So whereas offline may include things like uh, I don't know, direct mail, um, I mean, you've got to print 
things, you've, you've generally got to spend a lot more money with offline um, than you do with online. Um, and you also mentioned you don't don't do local lead generation. Um, I'm curious um, how local compares to what you guys do. Sure. So we we don't do local mainly because there's just not enough. Uh, not a, a big enough pool to work with of, of businesses to, to reach out to. Um, like I said, there is a, a bit of a numbers game component to what we do. Um, and that just goes into this, uh, you know, this old advertising adage of, of right message, right person, right time. We can get the right message and the right person correct. Um, but the right time is where the numbers game component comes into it because the perfect message to the to the right person um, isn't going to get you a a closed deal if it's not the right time for that person. Uh, so that's where that numbers game comes into it. Uh, and when you go with local businesses, you tend to reduce your pool of of available businesses significantly. Um, so for local business, we tend to be we tend to say it's it's probably better off going something uh, with something extremely targeted like you know, PPC to the local area or, you know, Facebook local ads or, or potentially cold calling, um, that kind of thing. So that's what the main difference. Sure. Got it. Um, and we're out of time. So that's it for today on Fjordcast. Thanks for joining, joining us on the show today, Simon. Thanks very much for having it's me. It's been a pleasure. You can find Simon at growthassembly.com. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for joining us as well. You can download episodes of the program by going to fjordgdigital.com slash fjordcast or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio.